Chapter 1 Origins of the Usurper God Once upon a time, there was a being of immense, unfathomable cosmic power. This being ushered into existence a reality which was born of eternal darkness. The very first of many things this being created was an everlasting, self-sufficient source of light which would illuminate all corners of this reality. After creating the source of light, the being got to work on many, many creations, developing things such as minerals, plant life, animals, and eventually would work his way to creating mankind within this reality. The first of his human creations were a race closest associated to divinity. They never aged, they were never hungry, they never had the need to release toxins from their bodies via a bladder or the exterior rear of the creature. These beings had special gifts, special traits, all abilities in which these creatures had were derived, shrinken down, of course, you might say watered down, but they were derived from the powers of this being who had created them. They had the capacity to mate and create new creatures. But amongst their ranks, there was one individual who had an unpredictable trait, and this trait was greed. He wanted what other people had. He had trouble finding a mate because his personality was so intense. His beliefs were that they were superior, and in some way or another, they could take the power of the being that created them and redistribute redistributed throughout all the people of this race, giving them total control over this reality, the ability to create, to choose and forge their own destiny without the intervention of a being grander than them. His greed was so powerful that in his hubris, he actually got together members of his race, created an army, and attempted to challenge and oppose the being that had created them. This being <clears throat> was so angry by the attempt of betrayal that he split open a tear in the reality. And within this tear, he created a kingdom of everlasting darkness, a place in which all who have darkness in their hearts may reside to be punished for all eternity. Regardless of any atomical anomalies any individual had or have had, they would be subject to the upside-down laws of this reality, which existed within the reality created by the being. You could say it was a form of hell. However, such a name does not apply to the place in which I have mentioned. 
that name or the name of that place will come up a little later in the story. Anyway, on to it. <clears throat> After the dissenters were banished to the pur purgatory realm created by the being, for fear of further attempts at betrayal and effectively insecurity about his ability to keep a hold of his powers in the face of these new beings in which he had created, he decided to obliterate them all, wiping them off the face of the planet in which he had created and placed them upon. And in so doing, he inadvertently created a nexus. A small, small little orb of darkness that inhabited the realm of everlasting light. And this darkness was immune to any and all acts that the being would attend or that the being would try to, you know, you know what I mean. Effectively, the being was incapable of getting rid of this anomaly. I won't say the reason right now because it comes into play in the story later. This is foreshadowing, ladies and gentlemen. At any rate, <clears throat> after that, the god <sighs> decided to create another race of humanity, one that had flaws, imperfections, and above all else, a general lack of divine power. He created many worlds and placed different subspecies of humans upon them, different creatures, different plant lives, to experiment with. And after establishing all these worlds, he had a desire for the very first time in his life, a desire to lead, to guide, and to forge the futures of the people who inhabited his worlds. So, in order to make his job slightly easier, he created, you could say, his children. He took elements of his own power, his own spirit, you might say his essence, and applied them <sighs> to lifeless lumps of clay. After doing so, he breathed life into these clay creations, and from them, the gods were born, the administrative staff of this celestial being, ones who had power without limit, ones who he believed he could control and use as tools to administrate his authority and worship throughout all the worlds and amongst all the creations of humankind. <clears throat> there was Kreia, goddess of creation. Her special ability allowed her to create anything, effectively, that the being himself was capable of, with some limitations, of course. Next was Dea, goddess of death. Her ability allowed her, or allowed control over the fates 
of mankind, of living creatures, of insects, of anything that has a life and a death cycle. She could choose who died. She could age up people past any sort of limits, without limitation. There was almost nothing that she couldn't do. She could extend the life of mortals as well as end them. Then there was Teos, the god of time. His ability allowed him to stop time, slow time, speed up time, and above all else, manage and continue the flow of time and ensure that there are no more anomalies popping up. And if they are to pop up at any point, it is Teos's responsibility to report it to his fellow brethren, the other gods, so that they can attempt to deal with it. Then there was Lavacus, the Lord God of Love. Lavacus was the element in which all humans could feel passion. He had dominion over love, affection, passion. It was his responsibility to instill passion and continue stoking the flames of all desires within the hearts of mortals, so that they could mate, find, find ambition, and find inspiration to carry on and to go forward towards new and grander things. He was the inspirational leader of the gods. <clears throat> With all of these gods, Dea, Lavacus, Teos, and Crea, all of them together formed an administration in which no reality has ever seen. Their ability to manage and control the different elements which come together to form a system in which all planets are governed by was unfathomable precise, calculated, and without fault. <clears throat> Many years would go by as these gods continued their work, and as time went on, the being who had created them started to grow jealous of his children. For you see, his intention was to create his children specifically for the purpose of furthering his own glory, of making his worship number one priority. However, the people who knew of the gods that were responsible for many different things, they all decided to worship them rather than the one who created them, as the one who created them stopped taking much interest or effectively cut himself off from the people he had created. He just sat back and watched as things unfolded. And because of this, the humanity had no love for this god, and that angered him. Everything that he had built, everything that he had created, the systems he put in place in order to manage his grand empire of worlds, and to have a devoted following, all of it was for nothing. For the people had their own hearts and minds, for that is how he created them. He created them this way, giving them free will and the desire to grow, expand, 
and the ability to change and adapt. He made people like this because he wanted to see what people could do given that they are left to their own devices. But it backfired. <clears throat> it wasn't long before Lavacus talked the other gods into rebelling against their father. He came up with a method using utilizing the talents of the other gods to create an amulet in which could contain the power of their father. Working together, they created the amulet. And it was Lavakis himself who presented this amulet to the god, their father. Shielded by the magic of the four deities, the god was incapable of seeing the sinister nature of the trinket. Callously putting it around his neck, without any regard for what it may mean for him. After latching the necklace, or the amulet, upon the god's neck, his power began to fade and was drained into the amulet until his body was nothing but a dried husk. After that, Lavacus took the husk of his father and absorbed any remaining power that the amulet could not Push, pushing him over the top to becoming far superior and more powerful than the other gods. After having done this, Lavacus was well within his power and right to assume control over the throne of their father and assert himself over his brethren and sisters. He effectively became the new god of that reality. Because of the power that he absorbed, he possessed traits from all of the other gods and was able to outdo them in many regards. However, his first and foremost power was control of passion, desire, love. With that ambition, with that desire, that driving force within Lavacus, he would go on to create many new wondrous things and improve the lives of many people. <clears throat> on this one particular planet, it'll go unnamed for now, they were most impacted, effectively the first world to receive full divine intervention and guidance. So the world was ruled by religion. There were three kings who ruled this religion. The priest king, in charge of the religious affairs and ordinance, communication with the deities, there was the warrior king, who was in charge of building armies, forging warriors in service to their holy cause. And the third was the mage king, the one who had spent his entire life developing magical talents and creating new ones with the guidance and help from the gods. Many years would have gone by, and <clears throat> in all this time, the three worked together to conceive a way in which they could shield their world from further divine intervention, so that they can assume full control over the world in which they resided, to build up whatever sort of system they desired. 
without having to fear intervention from the gods to break away from their plan and achieve true freedom in decision. And before long, they had done it. They had created a barrier in which was unbreakable. The gods themselves threw all their power at it, but were incapable of breaking it. it they could not figure out why. All they knew is nothing could get in or out. But things could be changing. Many years would go by, and the holy warriors of this church were sent out to conquer all the lands, uh, the planet that they resided. <clears throat> By sheer force, they created a regime in which the world would have suffered from. People were slaughtered, taken, and used as playthings for the masters of this religion. There were houses of nobility, people of good wealth and standing who had extreme service or conviction to the church. Some of these houses became, how you say, I should say, they lost faith in their leaders. Some of them banded together to create a weapon in which they could use to assassinate the three leaders of the religion. So, with small and minuscule communication with the gods, following their instructions, the rebellious elements were able to come together to forge a divine instrument that could strike down the three kings of the old religion. <clears throat> and in doing so, the wielder of this weapon would give their life for its use, for the power of this weapon was great. The need for power or this weapon's need for power was unmatched, so much so that it had to draw the life force from a living creature and the small fragment of divine power that went into their creation in order to fuel the weapon. And it lasted for about five minutes before the life of the host would expire. This divine instrument was wielded by an unnamed boy he was sent into the palace of the three kings as a, basically as a tribute, but it was a ruse. As soon as he was in front of the three kings, he wielded the weapon and used it to assassinate them. The priest king was killed instantly, disintegrated. Only his crown remained. The warrior king met the same fate with the remaining crown from his head as well. And the mage king attempted to shield himself. However, his barrier was dispelled. So in an act of desperation, he imbued all of his magic into a simple ring, and he hid it with the last of his power. After that, he was disintegrated and his crown remained. So, with the three crowns gathered, the smiths and foragers, or forge masters within this land, took the three kings' crowns and forged them into one. <clears throat> and the father of the boy who had killed the priest 
or who had killed the three kings, was named King of the Land. And the land was renamed Cardonia, a kingdom of excellence, of life, love, peace, liberty, and free choice within the boundaries of a fair, well-run system. One that did not discriminate or execute take advantage of people, it was no longer a directive. The soldiers of the Holy Army, many of them fled to a continent on this world, which would later be designated as bandit territory. They were the original dissenters, the ones who would make up the future generations of bandits, criminals, and derelicts that would be exiled to this continent. The remaining soldiers stayed and pledged loyalty to their new king. And the king's name was Tardonius. So King Tardonius I brought upon this world a new era of self-sufficiency, of love, of peace, of prosperity. Under his reign, the world knew rest. And they worked tirelessly to remove the barrier in which the old kings had placed upon the world, so that they could once again feel the embrace of their creators, of their masters, of the true gods. However, it wouldn't be for countless centuries until that barrier would be released. And in the time of all this happening, the gods came together to create a magnificent castle within a pocket dimension or reality, one that could be accessed through a special bridge that they could put out, that they could use to bring individuals to them, to their presence, for different reasons. This castle was dubbed Castle of the Gods, and within some of the halls there were pedestals with books laid upon them. These books acted as gateways into the different worlds and realities that the gods had come together to create, so that they could look in upon the world, so that they could access them directly through the books, and furthermore, so that they could read upon its pages to discover whatever has been happening within the world. The gods simply needed to open a book, look at it, and they would be able to instantly assimilate and absorb all knowledge within it, which would make it much easier for them to be caught up on events happening within each individual world or reality. <laughs> 